All right, and welcome to episode number 12. This is All Things Bible Study Podcast. We are your hosts, Ari Prado and... Solo Keefley. And today we have a special guest with us, Brother Brandon Puller from CBP Church. No? Yeah, that's correct. Yes, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we just changed the name of our church not too long ago, so we're still getting used to the, uh, the acronyms and things like that. But um, Brandon just recently just got done teaching his 30th Bible study, and um, nothing magical about the number 30. Uh, we do have a, a, a program, a small program we put together. It, it's um, not very academic. It's more boots on the ground based, and um, it involves teaching Bible studies. And so before we get into that, Brandon, just give her give the audience a little a quick introduction. Yeah. yeah, let us know so, who you are, where you come from, where you got saved, a little brief bio and your church experience, and then we'll ask you some more specific questions about teaching 30 Bible studies from virtually teaching none. None, yeah. Yeah, yeah so <clears throat> I got the Holy Ghost in 1996 at uh, Revival Center in Modesto. Uh, Randy Keys was a pastor um, and then grew up in uh, San Lorenzo under Brother Rushing and then three to four years ago uh, moved up to Central Bay Pentecostal Church. I've uh, been assisting and helping with youth and um, yeah, so I'm excited to be on and um, ex- share my experiences um, as far as teaching Bible studies. So give us a, um, and this this will kind of bleed into the episode as, uh, uh, into the show as we go. Um, what is, what does your current schedule look like and um, what is your current status? So uh, your marital status. So Tell us a little bit about that, and that will play a part into some of the questions we ask you in a minute. So let everybody know a little bit about what day. your everyday life looks like. Yeah, what does, everyday life. Yeah, and what is Brandon's <clears throat> current reality? Okay, yeah. So I just got married uh, July 20th, been okay. married for two months, uh, joined the married club. Okay, um, welcome. That's welcome. a good club to welcome. join. Yeah, by trade, I'm an electrician. Um, uh, as far as recently, I've been mostly kind of freelancing, driving. Um, which has opened up more of an opportunity to teach Bible studies and be more flexible as far as ministry. Um, and so typical week, um, you know, just consists of studying, driving, and then I teach about three Bible studies a week. Um, and wife time. And wife time, yeah. And church. And church, church time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's get into the process of that, that you went through internally studying prayer to not teaching Bible studies because from what I remember you had never taught a Bible study like a long-term Bible study well and, 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 and let me say this if, if we can back up just sure yeah. a few phrases um, what you made a mention of the, the the program that we run some of our young men through yeah okay uh, very early on when we when we drafted that program we talked about um, taking our, our young aspiring ministers uh, through uh, a, a prerequisite of a certain amount of Bible studies, which was 30. It was, yeah. It was did. 30. Yes. You and me kind of got into a back and forth discussion about whether we should 
So we had said 30 Bible studies was also equivalent to preaching. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was. so it was 30 sermons or Bible studies. Yeah, and at first I know that you had some reservations about counting a Bible study as a sermon. And we, we, we got into that discussion about how teaching a Bible study in a lot of ways, not in all ways, mm-hmm. it is, there is a big difference. Um, is kind of like the cousin to a sermon. If we Absolutely. Could, yeah. Let's, uh, so, good, great question. And that is, in that 30, some of them were Bible studies, some of them were sermons. So, tell us about the experiences, how they differed, how they were the same, maybe how bi- teaching Bible studies helped your preaching. Yeah, would you yeah. say that, that Bible studies helped your preaching? Definitely. Yeah. I would say, um, I felt like I had to study even more uh, because it was just a new experience because a lot of the Bible studies that I'm dealing with are people who don't know who Adam and Eve is. So um, learning to convey things in more of a simple way and um, absolutely has been a game changer for me, I would say. And it's definitely bled into my uh, preaching as far as uh, being able to just simplify a text and um, be able to convey it where everyone can understand, I would say. Um, I think sometimes uh, with preaching, before my ideas of it were pretty fanciful and trying to get, you know, elaborate or, or whatever the case may be. But what Bible studies, I would say the number one thing that they've taught me is that it's just simply exposing somebody to God's word and just getting them in front of the Bible and letting the Bible do the speaking. And um, I feel like that's been the biggest difference. So you felt like to. before teaching Bible studies, when you preached, you're kind of like, you're kind of preaching to the choir. So you have to do, you have to, you feel the pressure to say something deep. Yeah, exactly. And this was one thing that we talked about when we made Bible studies um, part of the 30 speaking, whatever's you want to call them. The, yeah. The 30 preaching requirements or Bible studies part of our program was that um, this is the controversial statement. I'll stand by it. I'm... I'm I don't. I don't have any problem standing by this statement. You ready, folks? <laughs> yeah, it is possible to be. I believe that you can be a good preacher and not a good Bible study teacher, but I, I, I don't personally believe that the reverse is true. So I believe that you can. I believe that a good Bible study teacher can be a good preacher, but I don't always believe that a good preacher can be a good Bible study teacher. And it's not, I don't think it has anything to do with what most people think, but you touched on it already, that a lot of times when you're, when you just jump into preaching and you've never taught Bible studies, you've actually not learned how to, how to consolidate, condense, and simplify biblical information. Yeah. Right? You're operating off of a lot of assumption if you yeah when you, you get don't up and teach Bible study yeah and when you get up and preach I know that for myself as an evangelist when I started preaching one of the things that really helped me was that I had taught a ton of Bible studies so it made me very effective with visitors because I was used to preaching to people who didn't know who Adam and Eve were yeah yeah <clears throat> and so I never had an issue when it came time to preach to a house full of visitors but I didn't learn that through preaching. I learned that through Bible study, teaching Bible studies. Yeah. So, so you would say that teaching several Bible studies has helped you definitely in your preaching. Yeah, I can say when I first started sitting down to do it, 
you start throwing out phrases that they may have never heard of, types and shadows. And, and they're like, what are you phrases. talking about? And when you just see that blank expression, you're just like, okay, something, <laughs> yeah. something has to change. And so um, I learned just simplifying things and, uh, yeah, letting the Word of God speak for itself. It's Making your powerful. syllable count go down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. You know, <laughs> yeah, okay. just, uh, no, this is, this is, this this is, is a real issue, you know, yeah. because we use words and phrases that, man, Are sinners foreign. don't know. Yeah. Sinners you just know. don't know some of these words, a lot of these words. Some church folks don't know some, these words. Right. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, and um, I, I think I alluded to some of this in um, a previous episode, but tell us about some of the spiritual resistance that you had to fight just trying to get just yeah. trying to become a bible study teacher. <laughs> well well yeah Let, let's talk about that but how many bible studies had you taught prior to this phase of your christian walk uh rarely i would say i can count on two hands maybe <laughs> well right so now uh, you, you've heard these episodes so you know how we define bible study yeah how much of this had you done before zero okay yeah yeah. Zero. So you had done a lot of the shotgun stuff. Exactly. That's exactly what Bible studies consisted of um, when I was growing up. It was more of a sit down, share Acts two thirty eight, and then say goodbye, dust your shoes off if they're not yeah responding to it. Um, but yeah, that's the, the biggest game changer, and I keep saying that, but um, has been uh, through sitting down and uh, doing like a year long Bible study. Is in the first couple weeks i've already been able to hit on repentance and baptism multiple times and um really stress obedience you know adam and Eve yeah. had to be obedient and, and really keep pushing that so then when they get confronted with the word of god it's up to them to respond in the same way to be obedient to what's going for so um yeah so what was the struggle like to get off the ground and get your land your first bible study oh so uh, <laughs> so I just remember um, kind of just having a revelation, uh, you know, sitting down uh, with my pastor and uh, really, you know, overlooking like what we're doing and uh, what our goals should be and uh, getting the burden to teach Bible studies. And, um, you know, I was praying and praying and praying for a Bible study. And um, I finally was able to land one. And uh, that same week, my, I, my back went out. I lost my job. Um, <laughs> all kinds of different kinds of, you know, financial issues, um, spiritual resistance. Um, so yeah, it's real. You got on a car accident as well, right? Car accident. Yeah. yeah. Totaled a car. Luckily I wasn't injured, but praise God. Yeah. You, yeah. you make no, up your mind to start uh, doing something that's going to be effective and you're going to, you're going to get attacked. Has your wife got into teaching Bible studies? Yeah, she has. She just started uh, a brand new Bible study, I would say three to four weeks ago. And, um, it's something about teaching that first one. You just kind of get addicted to it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she loves it. The Bible study she's in. They keep now, here's a question um, to interrupt you. Do you, feel, do you feel that you teaching Bible studies has made it much has made it easier for your wife to teach Bible studies? Definitely, definitely. Cause she, yeah, did you guys ever have like a conversation at dinner or wherever or in the car about like, hey, I want to teach one too, you know, or, um, or is it more? Um, it was, uh, I would say, yeah, we, we sat down and we talked about um, kind of what our goals were as far as um, what we should be teaching and, and things of that nature. And she wanted, she was, she was wanting to do a Bible study as well. Yeah. And, um, she, you know, so she's, she's doing really great. She's really enjoying it. And 
super excited. So um, your schedule is flexible. Yeah. Um, but you do have a wife. You have bills. Uh, you have you have freelance work that you do. Uh, do you think you would be overwhelmed with four Bible studies? You said you're doing three. Would four be too much? Um, with the flexible schedule, no. I, I, I don't think that'd be too much. If you were working a job, a nine to five, would it be? Definitely. Would three be too much? Um, if I was working a nine to five, I would say. So you're two. you're you you're actually an electrician, so that's probably more like a six to two job, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, seven to three thirty. Um, but you're on the site by. Yeah, by yeah. like five or six. Yeah. So you wouldn't really have a lot of time to prep. Um, you'd be rushing. Uh, I think quality would really start to suffer suffer if you're trying to do more than two. If you say. were working your union job right now, punching in, how many Bible studies do you think? Um, what would what would do you think would be the appropriate number? I would say in order to maintain quality, um, I would say probably about two to three max. More than that, I, I feel like would be pushing it. Yeah, three Especially, to me sounds like a lot. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, you have home life, you have bills, you have you know church activities, and yeah. events, and yeah, you you wouldn't have a family life. Yeah, at that point. right. And and we have this is not really part of the show, but um, it is part of the it's part of the car talk that we all have and coffee shop talk that it it does it is counterproductive to be mighty soul winner and lose your family. Absolutely, and 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 I, I I believe that we can turn ministry into a bad thing, um, Bible studies into a bad thing, by allowing it to invade the space, the sacred space of marriage and and family time. Yeah, right. And, Especially and, being a, a, a new marriage, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Establish a lot of things and uh, figure a lot of things out. So, um, yeah, ma- being flexible, I would say, is the best thing. Uh, you can do is if you're a minister and uh, have you noticed a change in your wife since she started teaching Bible studies? Um, yeah, I, I, I would we'll say have she to would, interview her soon. Yeah, yeah, she really looks forward to it. She's excited. Uh, she like prepares and stuff, and it's really good, um, exciting to see. Um, and she's getting excited as far as like us getting more Bible studies, more contacts, and um, outreach and, and the whole nine. So, yeah, it's been a definite positive um, effect on us and um, our outlook on ministry in general. Yeah. So I want to throw a little monkey wrench into all of this. Go for it. And um, I know you and I have talked about it, and I follow Brandon Puller on Instagram at... Brandon Puller. Brandon Puller. Shout out. Shout out. Plugged. (laughs) Shameless. Uh, Okay. Um, and, And here's our little debate topic for this interview. Um, debate. So I've been, I've been stalking, I've been doing the scroll stock and, uh, I noticed that you teach your Bible studies with the manual. Yes. Now, Dr. Yant says you shouldn't. And do you know, really? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you and me actually discussed this about like whether we should or shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. I've never done that because yeah. I just always knew you weren't supposed to. <clears throat> Are you guys, I'm on the other side of the camp, honestly. Okay. I would. I, so when I first started, I would say that's what helped keep me on track. There's a lot of stuff in the manual that I would omit, and then as you kind of get more familiar, you, you're able to kind of like scan and glance Did, through. Does your guys as student see your manual? Okay, so let me say this. I'm teaching Bible studies right now. 
the last Bible study I taught, um, I didn't use the manual whatsoever. I've actually gone through it so many times that I've amalgamated it into like an outline in my head. Right. And I have a lot of my own notes in there, like a lot. So On the manual? No, no, no. In this... Yeah, just in your internal in, Yeah, internally. Yeah. Internal notes, yeah. <laughs> Initially, I actually really do encourage people to, to read the manual, but not to read it like A, B, C, D, like in a very dry way, but to try to actually read it, but speak as if it were your own words. So like, are you reading the manual? Now I don't, but when I first started, Initially, I, would, I would read verbatim what was in there. And especially, I would say it's been a game changer for people like my mom. She's always wanted to teach a Bible study, and she's like deathly afraid to do so. And when you simplify it to somebody and you're just telling them, you know, you ju you're just reading this. And once they start to develop, like, a, a get used to being sitting down one-on-one -on -one in front of someone, this is the truth. Able to break a lot of people are not used, are not accustomed to a stream of thought just flowing from their head. Most people don't speak or think that fluidly. And so the truth is, it's like, it's like putting, um, yeah, well, let's just the be bumpers honest. up in the Public bowling alley. Public speaking is, I think, the number one. It's or the two. number one fear. Yeah, fear, other than fear vocation. Public or speaking, exercise. public speaking, and spiders are, are the number one fear. More than death, people people fear public speaking more than death. All right, so I, I encourage people for a number of reasons to, to read initially when they're starting out to read, but to try to do it in a natural voice, so to become familiar enough with it. To where you're not actually staring at it, you know, the whole time. You're actually so familiar with it that you, you, you use it as a reference to, to essentially guide your words. Yeah. yeah. Reference or like preaching point. Like, like so you're kind of using it like preaching notes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. And so, but, but as we've discussed, you have to become familiar enough with it. Yeah. You know, if you don't, if you're not reading it before your lessons and you're just going in there and you don't know what's coming next. And then eventually... You, you get proficient yeah. at public speaking, at teaching a Bible study, yeah. and you can be flexible. But initially, like, yeah, this initially, is the truth. I just read for Boring is fine to, when it, because it works. Boring is fine when boring works. This is the truth. If it's someone who's a raw sinner, they've never heard. So this is something that happened to me the other day in one of my Bible studies. Uh, one of my students said... You know, I've heard all of these stories. She's like Adam and Eve. She's like, I knew that story. She's like, I knew how they failed and they ate the fruit and they were naked. She's like, I just didn't know the part of God covering them with skins. People just haven't heard the rest of the story. And so we might gloss over something, but like that was like life-changing for her. She's like, oh, they failed, but God covered them. Like she had no clue. And so people are unfamiliar with aspects of the story that we might even take for granted. So I'm all for men initially, if they don't, if they're biblically illiterate, like if, if they're missing whole chunks of like major stories, just tell that, just read that, just read it, you know? Yeah. Um, if it's new information, you know, whether you sound eloquent or feel like you're deep, it doesn't matter. It's new information and new information is always stimulating for people. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I probably took for granted how I just, I was, I've always just, 
I mean, before I taught Bible, before I got saved, I used to rap. So I was very... You were freestyling for, for a long <laughs> time. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and not just freestyling, but I was actually accustomed to writing something down, memorizing it, and then performing and it. And having to just, you know, spit the fire. You yeah, know I mean? so I was used to that. So The rest of us are just not Brother Ari Prada. We're just, yeah. we're just not him. You know? Well, and I, well but, but then, you know, when I read the Jack Yance manual... Um, and he talked about not doing that. I, I was like, yeah, of course. Like, who would do that? But then I saw you guys doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, as, as Brandon said, some people would be too afraid. If you said don't use a manual. So is your mom teaching Bible studies now? She's trying to. She's yeah. not teaching one yet, but it's made her feel a lot more comfortable. That she, she can read the manual. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you really, like. If you no, I love I, writing I, the manual out. Yeah. Okay, that, that's, that's a good point, too. Like, I, I, I like, like, yeah, taking notes and writing on it and, and kind of like, I, I, my manual's all marked up and stuff. Here's yeah, another but, reason, not, in defense of the manual, all right? <laughs> uh, it reminds me of that old debate where, uh, I think, who, who was it who said, we're here to discuss the e-manual, not the manual, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's <was> old. <laughs> but in defense of the, of the manual, one of the reasons I do it is I plop it on the table sometimes. The manual? Or on my, on my like, iPad. Okay. <laughs> it's on my iPad. Yeah. Because so I actually want people on? to... The, the Bible chart. studies on a chart. Okay. So I actually want people to know that like I have notes here, so you're not going to derail me. So it, it kind of does... It really does set the tone. And so I, I'll move out of that. Yeah, true. I guess if somebody saw you with like... Like nothing, I'm ready. Like I'm... Well, and I guess it would probably even... Pro, you know, pro or contra, I don't know, but... I guess if somebody saw you with a manual, they're also going to assume this is not really an appropriate time to interrupt. Exactly. Yes. That's, that's really and good. so there's times I have it for no other reason. It's a new Bible study, and I need to, I need to initially set the pace. Yeah. We can become flexible later on as we become more familiar, but initially it's going to be very basic, borderline monotonous. Yeah. All right, like borderline monotonous. And, but if it's new... It, monotonous for me if it's new for them it's new for them and then from there we'll we'll go gradually we'll go deeper and deeper and be become more flexible with how our bible studies go you know um i recently started a new one and now questions are coming up and so now what i'm doing is i'm initially i wasn't taking them now i'm taking them and um, I'm familiar with the ebb and flow of the Bible study. Like, like we discussed the other week, every Bible study will take a life of its own. And so there is an initial phase where it's very plain. Everything is just very cut and dry almost, and just I'm just following protocol. And then I'm assessing the situation, and then I'm going to see, all right, what happens. Yeah. So Be Yeah, because between the Bible study chart being up, and then especially if they're not familiar with flipping through the Bible, they're not really aware if you have the program on your iPad as far as like really what you're doing. It's just kind of helping yeah. you stay on track. Especially, It's really helped me when I first started. So run us through the top two, maybe three if you want, but we'll, we'll keep it at two. The top two reoccurring questions you're getting in 2019 teaching Bible studies in the Bay Area, newly married. <laughs> um, so what is coming up? Questions from the student. What, what, what questions have you heard come up repeatedly? So not just from one student, but let's just say two different students. You're like, oh, wow, I got asked that again. I was asked that question a few weeks ago or whatever. Has there been any reoccurring questions that are coming up? Actually, surprisingly, I haven't. I, the 
the person I'm with, the, the newest guy, he doesn't really know anything about the Bible or so he's kind of accepting. So yeah. he doesn't. Yeah, he just doesn't have. Any have you had any interesting questions? In as far as in Bible study, I have not encountered anybody that's asked it. And this is good because we actually talk, yeah, we talked we, about this. Some people just don't. Some, some people, people don't. Just don't. Yeah. So uh, okay. I've, I've told them, you know, started because I started encouraging, you know, you know, if you have a question, you know, you can ask and maybe we can address it next week, next week or something in, in that fashion. But and they were like, nope. Mostly, uh, you know, in Berkeley, where you're going to encounter like weird questions and stuff is just like physically. So these these Bible studies are not in Berkeley. <laughs> no, no. This Bible study is a guy. He lives in Tracy now. He was in Hayward. Um, there's also um, a Bible study in El Cerrito area. Yeah. So, but yeah, not anyone directly in the city of Berkeley. Yeah. So here's here's a question, and that is, what moments in teaching were you surprised at at someone's lack of knowledge? Like, at what time did you see someone was like, wow? Um, yeah, for me, that was what the biggest shock of teaching Bible study was, was very first, you know, lessons on Adam and Eve. And they said, wow, I didn't know that. And I was just kind of blown away. I, uh, you know, I was like, wow, I'm really going to have to, like, just kind of slow down. Because there's not many people you come across that don't know who Adam and Eve are. So, I mean, it just kind of changes uh, your whole perspective in teaching. But, but also what you're saying is some people know who they are, but they actually don't know the story. They don't know the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so let's talk a little bit about this. And I think I think this is a pretty in-depth conversation. So uh, we are in San Pablo. We just started a preaching point in San Pablo. Uh, we're right down the street from Richmond High. And for those of you who are not from the Bay Area, uh, the neighborhood near Richmond High is bad. You yeah. grew up in Richmond yeah, yeah. in the Iron Triangle, Iron right? Triangle, yeah. For those of you, could you explain what the Iron yeah, Triangle is? Yeah, let's explain what the Iron Triangle is yeah, first. I mean, uh, I feel like Richmond is probably not as well known, but it's just as comparable as far as like the East Oakland or West Oakland. Um, North Richmond is a lot worse, and the whole area has improved a lot, but it's, yeah, it's a pretty rough neighborhood. Yeah, like I was actually in the Richmond area, and I saw a police officer with a machine gun yeah. strapped to his motorcycle. I've never seen that in California. Yeah, on the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. It was like a machine gun. It wasn't like he had he had a machine gun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we uh, so we started a Bible uh, a preaching point a few blocks from from that area. Richmond High, yeah. From Richmond High, um, one of the things that I've heard a lot from we have some people here at East Bay that are actually from there that live there as well, and. Um, they all kind of raised the brow when they heard where we were. They're like, "Oh wow, pastor, you're going over there." Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, and then also, but they were fast to jump on the next statement, and that was, "Pastor, that's really needed." Yeah. Um. My question going into this is, and I, and I want your opinion because you grew up there. Yeah. This is obviously these are areas that need to be reached. Yeah. There's that's not that's not up for debate. I think what's up for 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 questioning is how do we reach those areas? We are contending that the way to reach them is one-on-one house to house 
Bible study to Bible study. Yeah. Um, how, how do you think that other forms of evangelism would fare against the one-on-one just going in? And I'll just use vernacular here. Like just going in the hood, right? And 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 trying to get Bible study. So like, yeah. How how smart would it be for us to do? Um, you're just not gonna. I mean, you, can't. you know, just so let's call the iron. You're not gonna really just go door knocking out there. Okay. Yes. But. So let's talk. Okay. Uh, give me some theoretical, if not literal, forms of outreach we've all tried and done that would definitely get us in trouble in the iron triangle. Yeah, I mean, God's our protector, but God so is our just, protector. So, like, but so seen, is our common sense. I've seen situations where people feel it's it's like good outreach to dress up in some sort of a costume and stand on a street corner with like you know the signs they use for like insurance or whatever. Yeah, and Don't would this that. work in the Iron no. Triangle? No, no. The, the, you're just gonna the, walking across and you know sitting down and talking to someone or something like that. That's the only way it's gonna work. Going door to door wouldn't be effective out there. People are naturally distrusting. Like. My barber knows everyone in Richmond, and he, he knows who you are by pulling onto the street. If they don't recognize someone from out there, everyone's going to be on alert. They're going to be like defensive, just not even with an open mind to accept that. For so. those of you who don't know, Richmond, like bullets just fly in Richmond. I, I knew a guy, <clears throat> I, knew, I knew several people who were just driving down the street in Richmond, and the bullets just started flying their direction for no reason. I've actually taught a Bible study where, where there was a drive-by. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, there was actually a drive-by while I was teaching. Yeah. And we just ducked and then got up and kept going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Richmond is that place where I think Brandon said it once. He was like, everybody eats dinner on the floor, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think house to house, it, do you think the method of, okay, I got a contact in the Iron Triangle... Uh, I'm gonna go in. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. They're gonna let me in their house, and and then I'm gonna work with this one family on the block. Do you think that that would really be the most effective method? Definitely, because then they're gonna, you know, reach out to other people, and that's kind of how it will grow organically. And then also just considering most houses in that area are gated up, anyways. Like you can't. Yeah, you actually can't. You can't not you can't just go the, around yeah. knocking on. Good point. You yeah. can't. Yeah, and and here's a yeah ghetto tip number one. Like, there's <laughs> gates in the ghetto. Yeah. On yeah, the windows, and and on the houses. You can't And they're sharp, do. all right? And there's usually, and there's dogs. usually a pit bull. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like a stereotype, but it's really true. This is, yeah, no, this that's area. a fact. This yeah, is the yeah, hood. Yeah, these are facts. Yeah. yeah. A, yeah. yeah you can't knock on a door. There's no, there's no door, there's no there's access. There's no door to knock on. So, at that point. And, and, and in all fairness, it's not too different from the richest neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. they're also gated. They're, they're also, also gated. gated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So how do we get into those homes? Right, exactly. it has to so be an organic, organic relationships like, yeah, that turn into Bible dynamics. studies. Yeah, Richmond is gated for security purposes. Berkeley, most places have no soliciting signs. They don't want people coming to their doors. So I mean, it, getting to doors in the Bay Area is becoming increasingly hard, depending on what area you're in. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. Like we do a little bit of door knocking here, but it's very light. It's you know door knocking 1.0. We, we did it the other day, and yeah. this is the truth. I do it on principle. Yeah, I just do I get it, yeah. all of my Bible studies from contacts of contacts of contacts, of contacts. and acquaintances yes, yes, and yeah. friends. Or, yeah, people I meet. Networking. Yeah, 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 networking, yeah. 
Yeah, because you know, one thing that's always kind of baffled me as an apostolic is that I hide when certain religions come knocking on my door. Yeah. I don't yeah. like it, but yet I go do it to other people. Yeah, exactly. I've always felt a bit of a like a hypocrite, right? I'm like, I don't yeah. like it when people do it to me and I'm going around doing it to them and, and I'm wondering why they won't open the door because I don't open the door. Right. So, but if I know you, you're coming in my house. Yeah, that's the... That's definitely the way to do it. Yeah. Richmond's a very interconnected, like, you know, city. So you get in with one person, you know, they, they have hundreds of friends who, you know. Yeah. So that's more the way to approach. You're not, you're really not going to knock on people's doors out there. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. There's just, yeah, you can't. In, in some cases, Either they're just going to be distrusting them. or, you know, there's going to be a problem for, like, approaching them. So. Yeah, a 70-pound pit bull. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's just the reality of it, you know. Yeah. We had a gate around, you know, <laughs> every almost every house in our, our neighborhood. So, yeah, you're not going to knock on your door. <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. It's not happening. Yeah, no, that's good. Good stuff. Tell us what your three biggest lessons that you feel like you've learned. If you could freestyle it, three things that you feel like you've learned really changed you. Um really changed me number one uh just you know kind of doing more of a long form sit down bible study instead of shotgun bible studies that's been a game changer like i said earlier you can hit on all the major plan of salvation multiple times uh, throughout um, and then um, i would also say um, simplifying not trying to wow with man's wisdom you yeah know, just really just coming to a point and understanding that you know God knows what he's doing. He wrote the words. You just got to expose them to what God's saying, and God will do the rest. Stop trying to put it on yourself to be able to be the one to make revival happen. You know, it's just at God's timing and beckoning, and all you have to do is just work the harvest. It's good. Yeah. It's good. All right. Well, thanks, Brandon, for... Yeah, thanks for the input and first interview. contributing to yeah. all things Bible study, man. It's a good interview. It's good stuff. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. All right, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Episode 13, on its way. All right.